The National Desk, Conversations, America's News Now. I'm Jan Jeffcoat, and welcome to episode 23 of the National Desk Conversations. Every weekday, we invite newsmakers onto our morning television broadcast to discuss topics everybody's talking about. On today's podcast, we revisit our conversation with lawyer Alan Dershowitz on the mask mandates and the notable trial he says could set a precedent for defamation cases. Despite the Supreme Court shooting down President Joe Biden's nationwide mandate for businesses, the debate over vaccine and mask mandates continues as employers and schools establish their own set of rules demanding vaccines, masks, and COVID tests. Joining us now, Harvard Law professor and host of the new podcast, The Der Show, Alan Dershowitz. Professor Dershowitz, welcome back to the National Desk. Great to see you. Well, thank you so much. So according to a new survey by Gartner, 30% of employers currently are or will require employees to get vaccinated. So, Professor, talk us through this. If a company requires vaccination and says if you don't get it, you lose your job, is there anything an, an employee can do if they don't want to get it? Well, it's up to the states and it's up to the federal government. Um, the United States Supreme Court hasn't ruled on the constitutionality of mandates, either vaccine mandates or mask mandates. What they have ruled and what I predicted they would say, I wrote a book called The Case for Vaccine Mandates, is that if you're going to have mandates, the decision has to be made by the legislature, not the executive. And so if you have legislative authorization for companies firing people if they don't take the vaccine, that may well be upheld. But if you don't have that mm -hmm. kind of legislative authorization, as you didn't have for President Biden's mandate for companies with over uh, a, a certain number of employees, the courts will probably strike it down. So it's very much in flux today, and we don't have a certain and clear answer. This is a viewer question here. Uh, someone wanted to know what happens if, let's say, you work for a restaurant that is required to check for vaccine status of customers, but you don't want to be the vaccine police. Local officials can require this, but they didn't exactly lay out how it should be executed. So let's say you're assaulted after, after asking someone for their card. Would the jurisdiction who required that mandate now be held responsible? No, I don't think they would be. I think that you could take steps to see whether or not the mandates are acceptable. You can go to court and many people, I mean, there are hundreds of lawsuits pending, but I don't think that anybody would be held responsible for assault if an individual assaulted somebody. And there have been such cases. There was a case like that in New York not so long ago. There was an assault over some issue about whether people could come into the restaurant, whether they had to wear masks, etc. These are, don't count on existing law to give you a clear answer today this is an issue very much in flux we can give you certain parameters that is the governor the president the mayor can't make you have a shot the legislature maybe they can maybe they can't we don't know but we know that the executive authority can't do that uh masks it's up in the air one court in new york said that the governor's mask mandate was unconstitutional another court stayed that and said no 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 Let's wait until we get an appellate result on that. Isn't that so, something, when you think about the varying opinions, I was going to ask you specifically about that because newly elected Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin signed that executive order on day one, doing away with mask mandates specifically uh, in schools because those the schools now are, are suing. And in a recent op-ed, Governor Youngkin defended his decision saying, quote, 
It is time to adjust our approach to the coronavirus emergency while considering vaccinations, natural immunity, and the adverse mental and physical health effects on children. A path through the end of this pandemic is possible when also respecting individual freedom and choice. We can yeah. keep kids in school. For, so, so you see this. I mean, you see what he's saying here. What's your response to this? My, my response is, look, reasonable people could disagree. That's why I wrote my book, The Case for Vaccine Mandates. In the book, I lay out who decides when reasonable people disagree, when you get the governor of Virginia saying one thing, the governor of New York saying one thing, the governor of California, the governor of Texas, the president saying different things. They're all, they're all reasonable. Right. Uh, you can see the argument. Some people want to emphasize bodily integrity, uh, refusal to get the vaccine, refusal to wear a mask. Others want to emphasize public health. That's why we have legislatures in a democracy. And thus far, Congress has abdicated its responsibility. They have not passed legislation. And until they do, everybody's going to remain confused. If you want to be clear about this, read my book, and then you'll get even more confused because it shows how difficult this issue is and how there's no right answer. Great plug there. All right, so we want to talk about the January 6th committee because you have said this committee reminded you of McCarthyism. Ultimately, what do you think will be the result of this investigation? I think the courts will strike down parts of this investigation. The role of Congress is not to prosecute people. It's not to make political points. It's to pass laws. During McCarthyism, they use the excuse of making laws to hold people in front of the committee to make political points, the House Un-American Activities Committee. This committee, which is a skewed committee, it doesn't have what's supposed to have a balance of Republicans and, and Democrats, is using their subpoena power. And I have a case on that right now, which I'm bringing, uh, using the subpoena power to subpoena politically unpopular people who oppose the views of the majority. That's McCarthyism, and that isn't right. Committees ought to be reserved in their power for legislative actions or proper oversight actions. And there's going to be a lot of challenges to that. And I think those ultimately some of them will succeed in the courts. Who are you representing? Oh, I'm representing uh, Mike Lindell and the pillow company who have had all of their records subpoenaed through Verizon without an opportunity even to review them. And so we're issuing a challenge. I'm also representing one of the young men who uh, went to the Capitol to uh, protest. Look, as a civil libertarian, I don't choose my political sides. I'm, I'm a, a liberal Democrat. I was against what happened on January 6th. I was very critical of the president's speech, but you don't take a terrible event like that and use it to diminish people's civil liberties because today it may be right-wing Republicans who are being affected. Tomorrow it's going to be left-wing Democrats. And we have to have one law for all. The shoe has to, foot on the, has to fit on the other foot. And if it doesn't, that's not a proper basis for legal action. In the case against Mike Lindell, what were they looking for? Did, did, what, were they, what were they trying to find? We don't know. He wasn't there. He had nothing to do with it. Uh, but I think they're just harassing him. At least that's the argument that we're making. Let them come up with a legislative purpose. Uh, you know, let them show him uh, what they want to have subpoenaed. There may be lawyer-client privilege communications. I've represented him now. Maybe he wrote to me. Maybe I wrote to him. Uh, government has no right to get those communications. So we're asking for uh, pre-examination. We're telling uh, the courts to prevent uh, the disclosure of the material unless there's a hearing. We're going to have 
this is going to be litigated all over the country. Uh, Professor Dershowitz, uh, one final question here. I wanted to ask you uh, about former Alaska Governor Sarah Palin's defamation case against the New York Times. It is set to go to trial February 3rd. She says they damaged her reputation after the editorial board penned an opinion piece alleging that her rhetoric helped inside a shooting that resulted in several deaths. Which way do you think this will go? Well, first, she's right. They did hurt her reputation. She has been defamed. The only issue is whether the New York Times acted with malice, whether they made a simple mistake or whether they deliberately uh, skewed it. Now, a good argument in her favor is whenever the New York Times makes mistakes, they always seem to favor the left and they always seem to be against the right. The New York Times does not have an objective approach to this. And these lawsuits are going to continue. Again, I'm involved so in this. Wait a minute. So you're saying it has, they have to prove malice in here, but this was an opinion piece. Does that matter that this was an opinion piece? No, because it stated a fact. It stated a fact. Look, the New York Times doesn't understand the difference between opinion and reporting. They put their opinions on the front page. They put their facts in the editorial page. And this is an opportunity for the public to view the New York Times. As I said in full disclosure, I'm suing CNN for doing something, for doctoring a tape in which they made me say exactly the opposite of what I said on the Senate floor when I defended the Constitution against the false impeachment of President Trump. So I think we're going to see some changes in the law particularly involving malice. What does malice mean? And when is a mistake an honest mistake? And when is a mistake a malicious mistake? That issue is going to be front and center when this case is presented. So it's quite an important case. Yeah, it is very important. All right, Alan Dershowitz, always great to talk to you uh, and see you. I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you, you too. That's episode 23 of the National Desk Conversations. Join me each weekday morning from 6 to 11 Eastern for the National Desk, America's News Now. Check your local listings or stream it on our website, thenationaldesk.com. Our podcast comes out twice a week with fresh newsmaker interviews. The conversation continues. Until next time, from the National Desk, I'm Jan Jeffcoat.